Hello, everybody. Code Pen Radio number 378. I have an incredibly special guest on who I've never met and I'm looking so much forward to get to talking to. He basically has the coolest job in the world. Lee Martin, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Not much, man. You caught me at a pretty rare time. I'm yeah. actually on a break right now, like kicking oh. off a nine-week break. Nine so, weeks. That's wonderful. Yeah. I just I can't wait to not be doing work i know we're about to talk <laughs> about work but yeah. um, it's uh it's just sort of a necessity I need to certainly recharge creatively and um i'm looking forward to uh, it has, has that worked for you in the past that kind of like if i just unplug for a hot minute i can get some juice back yeah certainly i mean we're going to talk about it but i mean a lot of these concepts that i'm building in music um are experimental creative technical concepts they don't come from nowhere <laughs> like yeah. they come from space the ability to think the ability to explore new technologies right later on the conversations with clients so it is certainly um it's better than just jumping from one project to another where you literally have no space to think um which is my usual yeah, right. Because maybe if you did that, you'd, you'd, I don't know, be repetitive or boring in what you're doing. Uh, I don't know, not to put words in your mouth, but, we, you know, you said you said music, and that's clutch for people to realize, I think. That's the kind of work you do. I believe you're just, a, you're not just, but you're, a, you're freelancing at the moment, despite having worked for many music-related companies, right? That's right. That's right. So, but music, this, I think there's a lot of people that it would be their damn dream job to get to build a website for a band and not like a, not like a fit, not your local band, but like big, good bands. That is not something that a lot of people get the chance to do. And you've done it over and over. Tell me, how do you, how do you get to build a website for big, good bands? Yeah. I mean, it happened a long time ago. Like, yeah. Just um I actually built a fan site for a band called the Mars Volta. This mm -hmm. is back when we were all on message boards uh about twenty years ago. And I couldn't afford to like keep it running. <laughs> it kept getting bigger and the cost of running the forum was actually quite expensive. Um so the band manager actually got in touch with me and was like, the band would like to make a donation. Um, to help you keep your forum up. That forum was called the Comatorium. And I was like, cool. And she was like, also like, do you want to help us do some stuff? About a month or two later, she was like, hey, your website is better than our website. Do you want to just build <laughs> our website? So that band was Mars Volta. They were on Universal Records. And I remember like still being in high school and I would get calls from New York, from Universal Records. I'm from Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And my mom would still scream for me, like, across the house, like, Lee, somebody's on the phone for you. And I'd be like, yeah. Mom, like, check the caller ID if it's from New York. Like, I'm running a business here. Um, You're like, it's Don Draper. Yeah. So it was, that was my way in. And I can tell you that that manager, the Mars Voltas manager at the time, this woman, Kristen Welsh, mm -hmm. I talked to her last week. So wow, she's been my, influential in yeah, your my career. relationships that I've built in this career um, are very important, very meaningful. But basically, that was the way in. You know, it's freelancing 101. 
you do one good thing for one client, you're able to talk about it, which hopefully leads to another client. Yeah, You do another good thing for them and you just keep branching. Um, the people that I've worked for, when I say work for, I mean the digital managers, the labels, the actual people on the ground, less so the artists themselves, the people who are okay. giving me the work. They, whereas I am still trying to be the same youthful, creative freelancer I've always been, mm. these people that I work with, they are like music business people first and foremost. They have um, climbed a ladder of sorts. And the artists that they were maybe giving me at the beginning are much bigger now, right? Okay. But they're yeah. still asking me for the same thing, um, just at a different scope. I'd like to think my abilities have become a little bit better too. But that's basically how I'm doing it. Same sort of people um, who are interested in what I do, um, hiring me for the same type of work the names and the artists, they do change. They do get bigger or smaller. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but that's basically it. It's part of that loop. Yeah, it makes sense, right? And then, and then, cause then, I don't know. It's not like the people that do music have an intimate knowledge of every web person in the world. They they know that you've done good work, so they need the same type of work again you call the same person. I'm not, If I need a second roof done on a second house, I'm going to call the guy who did a good job on my first roof. Pretty much. We, we become comfortable with the people we know. In music business, if you think about how much personnel is actually connected to music, um, roadies, tour yeah. managers, band managers, engineers... Uh, it's very much an industry built upon respect and who gets the job done. Um, and since one of my first jobs was working within a management company, um, I sort of learned that inner workings and that yeah, respect-based business. You do well by someone, you don't screw them over, um, and hopefully you get more work because of it. Um, I love my collaborations, too. I love working for the artist, but I really love working for the people who are attached to it, who want to explore the concepts with me, who are keen to use technology in interesting ways. Yeah, that's cool. We should get into that because it's it's one thing to it's it's notable to me that the first band website you did, this one for Mars Volta, wasn't just like I don't know a really cool looking about page for the band that it had interactive features to begin with which drew people in and had them talking about the band it was forums so like immediately like the first one you ever did had community aspects to it and 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 probably was like relative i mean that was a long time ago right so like yes so like even even the idea of forums was i don't know I don't know how new forums are to the web, but like, like it's not as easy as today where you'd just be like, I don't know, sign up for the discord or it whatever. Certainly before the social revolution. Right. Um, yeah. And I was there for all of that. So, but now that like a band needs a, it's not like they want an about page now either. The type of stuff, it seems to me that you work on, you know, I'd love to like almost see more of your portfolio pieces or whatever, but they're, they're not just like, I don't know, we're a new band. So like, well, I don't know, here's Jimmy, he's from Texas on the drums. Like that's boring. That's not what people want out of websites anymore. We're about to launch a digital experience or something. So you do crazy stuff like these, like listening parties and tell me about some, like, what, do, what, do, what do these bands want? And to piggyback on what you're saying, I've actually turned 
burned down band websites for 10 years now. Um, mm. Cause people do come to me for, Hey, we got a news section. We've got a tour section of discography. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't actually do that. I almost find that that type of work is harder than what I do. <laughs> what I do is creative experiences, digital experiences um, that use interesting web mechanics that are supposed to live in synergy with a business goal and likely an artistic goal, thematics of the record, things like that. Okay, yeah. I saw one where it's like, uh, here's a new record's about to drop, and you can listen to it online, but only if enough people in your geographic region have unlocked this ability to do that. That's exactly. very interesting. It's very webby. It's very businessy. It's very interesting. Yeah, exactly. That was for Future Islands. Um, I loved building that. Um, a, a lot of my work recently has been a little bit more. I got a bit more of a product methodology built into them, right? This is what happens. Like when I'm not working for myself and I go work for these companies, it's like SoundCloud and Songkick. They're almost like educational moments for me because I didn't go to school for any of this stuff. So that type of project very much came from my time at Songkick. I read a lot of books about product design and stuff like that. And this was very simply like we want to do – a listening event around the new record. They haven't heard the music yet. How do we engage people around this? And there was this idea of first simply putting an audio stream that synced for all listeners next to a chat room. It's like, couldn't be more basic in terms of technology. And then there was this need to make it geographically significant somehow or kind of, figuring out an unlock mechanism that forced them to do something. So in that case, it was, um, if I logged into the application, it would say you are in Louisiana. You need to invite a hundred people from Louisiana into this chat room in order to hear the record. Mm. And I actually used wiki data to try and figure out a good dynamic threshold for every geographical location. So we really went like way far for this. Uh, like New York, probably hundreds of people. Exactly. But if there's a fan in Antarctica, he, that's just an auto unlock, I would hope. Exactly. Like we didn't want to like lock people out. <laughs> we want to lock people in. Of course, we had manual controls to let people in. I consider that project a little bit more straightforward, though it was certainly creative and interesting. Like a lot of people know me for an early idea where I built a website where the only way to listen to a song was to close your eyes. This is one of these early, like open CV computer vision concepts, right? Um, Before it was really possible to do this stuff, uh, how easy it is to this day, people are still asking me about, that particular that, concept. That was a big one for you? If okay. I would redo it, I actually yeah. never wanted to associate it with an artist. I wanted it to be sort of this like open source experimental concept that anyone could use. Um, but one artist actually kind of backed me in a corner about it, and I let them use it uh, one time. But I would say there's a good balance between just practical stuff, like, oh, you want to do um, – Spotify-based playlist generation built around a theme. We can build the interface for that, piggyback off the Spotify platform. 
And then there's also artists who come to me as like, what's the wildest thing in your head right now? Well, really? And I'll That's be funny. like, well, I've had this concept for a while where we have a piece of content that the users want, like a new audio file. Yep. Wouldn't it be interesting if there was this keyhole experience where you had to allow access to your webcam and also allow access to a stranger to watch you while you consume the content, almost like you were peering through a keyhole. So you actually get paired up with a stranger mm. and you can actually look at another stranger. <laughs> so no one knows who they're looking at because you're always looking at someone different. It just makes me think there's going to be a lot of penises, you know? Isn't there that actually how... wasn't as many as you <laughs> imagined, um, no, surprisingly. Good. I think because the fact that you were paired up with a stranger versus paired up with the person you were seeing made a little bit of a difference. But and it's are, niche, right? Because you had to also like the band, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. it was a bunch of dudes. It was a metal band who ended up going for it. But the name of their record was Voyeurist. So oh, you see, like... there you go. I'll sit on a mechanic for years. <laughs> That's a, It just worked out. That was in your head, and then it just so happened to have the perfect band with the perfect album name oh, yes that's amazing. and this is what i'm talking about when it's terms of free time i need to find another mechanic like that i need to think about these mechanics and have sort of a bag of tricks because yeah. i'm going to have a conversation with a client in the future and i want them to say something that matches up with one or two of those things so uh, i can be like i have this stuff you just said the word voyeurist why well, i have an idea and I'll pitch it because I'm a salesman. I'll be like, yeah. I've had an idea that people have passed on for years now. You know, like, let's, uh, oh, if you want to do that's it, great. if you're crazy enough, if you're not afraid of penises, like, we should do this thing. <laughs> and I'll be like, yes, Lee, absolutely, let's do it. That's wild because you're such a businessman in that regard, but then but such an artist, almost an anti-businessman in other regards, because you'd think if then another band wanted it, you'd be like, oh, we already built that. This is going to be freaking easy. I'm going to sell that to him for a minute. 1,000%. I never, <laughs> ever do that. So I Never. actually wrote an article. We, we can share it as part of the, the post blog for this, but it's basically called to remix or not to remix. I do get oh. asked a lot about previous concepts. Um, but again, as I talked about when I'm going from one project to another, I'm not leaving very much room for experimentation. So it's a necessity of my work that every single project that I take on has at least one thing I haven't done before. So mm. I can force myself to learn. Doesn't that make you nervous? Do you like that feeling? <laughs> uh, I I like that it I like that it works out 99.9% of the time. Um, yeah. I don't propose a lot. Um, in most of my projects, um okay. go from concept to execution in two to three weeks. Um Whoa. So, so I'm like I will have worked out most of the stuff before I asked for it, but there has been cases where I've promised something that we just couldn't quite do. Yeah, right. Or that it's API driven and that company just doesn't have that API or won't give it to you in a timely manner or something that could derail the whole thing. But that's one thing, like, especially like if you think back to the Voyeurist concept, that is a Twilio power concept. I had a pre existing relationship with Twilio based on nice. other ideas. So I do try and lay the groundwork for those types of relationships um, early if I can. And like 
if we think more abstractly about all of this stuff, especially with a community like CodePen, there's just so many creative people on the web, so many creative concepts, so many creative ideas. What I found that my particular industry gives me is sort of a hack to eyeballs, right? I really want to make a pen-like experience, a fun mechanic, but I get to associate it with these artists who have lots of fans and like a product designer, put it to test. Okay. And then I can like absorb the insights from it. Like how well did this keyhole concept actually work and sort of snowball that into my own understandings and learnings. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe that should make its way into the remix idea too. Cause it, it does seem like you, if you, because you care about the metrics, you just said so. You're like, I want to know if it was a good idea or not. Isn't, that, isn't there like a higher chances of success if you do it a second time and can like incorporate some of the, the second? I'm not trying well, to convince you no, you should no, do the same no, crap all the I time. I understand. I think <laughs> there are mechanics and there are concepts. Something like the keyhole. I consider that a concept. I'm not trying to build keyholes for the rest of my life. Yeah. But the mechanics of using Twilio video for web-based uh, communications like we're currently doing, that's such a fascinating mechanic. Um, and they're really like known user experiences, right? Communicating over camera. We do with FaceTime. Somehow we're doing it right now to record this podcast in a browser. Yeah. Like, to me, that is power. There's power in users already understanding the way something's going to work, but twisting it in a manner that they're not used to um, or dangling a piece of content that they're trying to get to. Right. So I don't want the user to be confused by the interface, but at the same time, I do want them to be surprised by it. I saw one the other day that was it. It was, it was, um, it reminds me of you. I wonder if it was you. Like Weezer had a record, and you had to you had to grab your phone and spin your own self like a record in order to listen to it. It seems no, like a Lee Martin idea. I didn't do it. <laughs> now I'm frustrated. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I'm there's sure a lot know. of this stuff happening for sure. Like there's a lot of really great people um, focusing on this niche. It, it typically is more like agencies that the artists will hire to get it done. Um, less individuals. There were more individuals kind of earlier in my career, I found. Mm. Um, but no shortage of people. You find that an agency might need you then if they're like, oh, crap, we got hired to do something amazing and we just... It happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, hilariously so sometimes because sometimes an agency will contact me about an artist I've already worked for that I have a good working relationship with. And I'm like, especially when they're trying to be coy about it, they're like it's a it's a band that's metal and i'm like i know exactly what you're talking about it's this <laughs> it's this viking band there's only so many viking bands you know yeah and i don't want to take a little bite out of your bigger bite i'd rather take the bigger I bite don't mind. myself like i like having a collaborative partner i don't like um too much telephone between me and the person who's going to be making decisions um yeah there you go so but that's just freelancing uh in general, just you kind of get better at that um, as you continue to do it, or you at least try to. This episode of CodePen Radio is brought to you in part by 
another podcast. The podcast is called Whiskey, Web, and Whatnot. You should subscribe to it. I already subscribed to it. I've listened to a bunch of them. I've been on the show, so you can listen to one with me. Really a lighthearted, fun, tech-ish podcast. They talk about whiskey, of course. That's the first word in the title of the podcast. They literally ship the guests a whiskey. They talk about These guys know what they're talking about with the whiskey. Ends up uh, really adding to the lighthearted spirit of the show. Really enjoyable stuff. Um, the two hosts, Robbie Wagner and Chuck Carpenter, they have a lot of experience in the industry. They build lots of stuff for clients. They come at it with lots of different technologies of very interesting and storied careers of their own in tech. And they're just, they're still interested in it. They st- They have their strong opinions that are informed by a whole career of working in tech. So lighthearted, really good stuff. And they have lots of different guests from all areas of, of web development. They've had Tom Preston Warner on and Kent Dodds and Charlie Jarrett and uh, Wes Boss and me, for example, talk about all kinds of, uh, of different stuff. Anyway, I'll just leave it at that. Go look up web whiskey and whatnot.fm is the thing, or click the link from the show notes and just give it a listen, give it a subscribe. It's a good show. You'll like it. Bye-bye. All right, man. Let, we'll put a bu- we'll put a bunch of links to all that stuff. I already have a bunch of them. We'll put in the you know in the in the in the show notes slash blog post that goes with this because you do a good job of writing about the interesting. That's a, a particular skill I'd say of yours. You do all these interesting things, and then don't let it don't let yourself just be dark matter like I don't know some guy in New Orleans did that or something. Actually, right. kind of tell the world that through leemartin.dev, which I appreciate. Very cool. But you put stuff on CodePen as well, which is kind of why we're here. I mean, I I don't know. We don't always have to talk about CodePen, but it is CodePen Radio, and certainly people know you and follow you from that, from... (laughs) <laughs> from some hilarious pens like the the Banksy shredder as it was it was a big one of yours that uh, appeared on <laughs> shortly after that news article broke um, why don't we start there and then tell me some other stories yeah that was that was funny because um I had the idea immediately but I was actually doing something that weekend I had like a important family event so that <laughs> was a rare like 48 hour wait on that i was like (laughs) i was like someone's gonna do this but i need to get to it um but it ended up being fine and i shared the code pin link that is what actually got distributed like typically if i'm doing like a joke i think it's gonna catch on i'll put it on its own domain but for this it was just like a code pin link and it got the code pin link was actually shared by all these news outlets which was amazing oh that's funny Um, that's probably why the views on it are so inflated because there's a lot i don't even think it was a debug link like i think people were like literally going into the code casually um it was funny i loved it um it's hilarious it had the right timing for a thing for sure yes timing you know on the web of course it it ended up like as soon as i put it live there were like five other versions of it in like various mediums like virtual reality almost immediately so clearly a bunch of developers were like this needs to happen um I wish I did more of that stuff, you know. You know, there, I, there's some connections I'm seeing here. One, one of the, in, in your little, in this pen, just called the Banksy yes. Shredder on CodePen, we'll link to it. You, the art shreds, which is a version of the actual art, I think it was there. But then yours says click to add art, which a lot brings up a, you know, a little file picker thing and you can put your own graphics yes. behind it, which is, you know, easy enough. I can imagine how, how you would build that. 
but the connection I see is to some other stuff that you build. You have, um, for example, you, you've built this website called Turn, turn.audio, which is a lot like that. It makes it outputs these little videos that are kind of Instagram ready, it feels like. And it's the same kind of thing. You click to pick art and then you click to pick you know some mp3 or something and then you, you must have written some back-end web app that smashes the two together and gives you the file and then such so yes exactly i you're right on it chris <laughs> i am <laughs> one of the things i am obsessed with is content at scale and the personalization of content even my last client project that sort of web-based camera app basically giving a user a tool to put a little bit of themselves in a pre-existing visual structure to me is very powerful. You know, it, it, it's, it's kind of part of the DNA of the internet, this sort of meme based economy. Um, we don't know what is going to succeed or fail. The internet tells us, mm -hmm. but it's worth giving it a shot. Um, turn audio. Yeah. That was, that's a huge product for me. Um, simply just like you said, smashing those two things together but also like catering to a very clear uh, user problem, sharing audio on these social networks. That's yeah, so cool. Yeah. What a nice little, what a nice little product. Can you just give it away? Uh, that one, it's it's like a freemium oh, a model. Yeah, I see. So yeah, use it for free with the logo in the corner. So this is interesting. Like a lot of people know me from the freelance stuff, um, mm -hmm. building weird websites all the time, all the time. Um, but I actually run a few SaaS apps and I'm building a new one right now. Um, and I think what happens is I do a lot of this freelance work and I begin to see some mechanics uh, that I feel could be applicable to a bigger user base, typically of artists, but it could also be designers or other sectors. Mm -hmm. um, and I get the urge to build a scalable version of it. That kind of happened with Turn. Nice. Um, something like mock. I'm currently building a, a product called listening party. Um, that is way more ambitious than usually for me, but I love the idea of as a product developer, using the client work to put ideas to test, finding the mechanics I think are most interesting and then trying to turn those mechanics into scalable apps as I find time to, um, yeah. you know, that's cool. You get to keep a foot in both worlds in that way. You know, it's so common for people that do client work to not ever touch product work or not, or 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 just just because they don't have time for it or don't live in that world. There's so much, you know, they fill their day with client phone calls and invoicing and stuff. It's just a different kind of world, and you've managed to kind of do both. Oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. get to spend enough time on product stuff because I really do love building it. I love helping out users at scale. Um, right now, that's what I'm doing, like in my free time. Mm -hmm. if, if I am going to open my computer on the break, it would be to play with some of these applications I'm trying to build. That's great. Um, we should try to squeeze in a couple more pens, but I do, I have to ask you this question about web stuff. I mean, it seems like everything you do is, you know, web API driven in some way and all these pens, of course, we, that's all we offer at CodePen is web technology stuff. Do you find that the music industry wants <laughs> web stuff or are you asked sometimes to be like, oh, actually, no, this needs to be a native app or something? I is am web obsessed and a web evangelist because it's where I honed my skills. But 
I argue this quite a bit. It's a key principle of my work, and that's accessibility. Um, The power of sending a link out to an experience that anyone can do if they have access to a web browser, to me, trumps all. Um, And this is what I explain to my clients. I mean, I make some Instagram filters. You Mm -hmm. know, I'll entertain the idea of building an iOS app if we really think that is a requirement. But the web is, I just, I, I can't think of a better platform for creative pursuits. So if they mentioned it, you'd be like, yeah, but you'd almost like fight to do it as a web thing It wouldn't instead. really be a fight. I would just be like, this is a <laughs> funnel of users. If we tell them to install an application on one particular platform, you might be cutting your user base in half just to start. And then we're going to um, cut down the users that actually install the application once we get to that tiny subset of users, like, are they even going to understand what we've built? And what yeah. is the end goal here? Is the end goal to simply get people to listen to your music or buy something? Because if so, we've gone 50 steps too far. Yeah. Whereas on a website, like a lot of people say, like, I've built the most complicated way to hear music. A lot of my concepts, like I did a project <laughs> for Jack White where the only way to listen to a song was to wake up during the hours of dawn and point your phone at the sun. You know, (laughs) that's probably like already a bit of an accessibility problem. Even I couldn't do it because I wasn't waking up early enough. Um, (laughs) But the truth is, if we would have built that as a native application, it would have been even harder to convince anyone to yeah, do it. Yeah, then nobody would have done it, right? Because you know, but it's a trade-off. You know not a lot of people are going to do it. But the ones that are, are probably going to buy the record. They're probably going to come to his show when they came around. They're like, like emotionally engaged at this point. There's different goals for different projects. Um, s- some of those projects were super serving the super fans. Mm-hmm. So we're just adding something to the universe of that particular artist to excite fans and get them prepared for what's coming. But then there are like more abstract concepts. Like I built a playlist generator for Krungbin in the past where you could generate a playlist for any flight you were about to take much more utility based. So you Mm. typed in your origin airport and your destination airport and you filled in a little questionnaire, like where are you sitting Uh, on the aisle or in the window? Are you drinking coffee? Are you drinking tea? All of these variables went into a playlist generator. And then it gave you a playlist at the end that met the expectations of your flight preferences. It met the duration of the flight. And it even chose music that was related to the places you were going to fly over, right? Mm. That was a project for Krungbin an artist you may or may not know, but that is a utility for anyone who's about to take a flight. And a lot of travel blogs wrote about it. So we could build Jack White's Twilight Receiver, very much for Jack White fans, or I guess people who like to wake up at that point in the morning. We could also build a more utility, open, accessible type concept that really can give usefulness to anybody I talk to my clients about this a lot. What are we trying to do here? You know, do we want it to be open and accessible? Are we trying to reach beyond the fan base? 
do we even have a fan base yet? Yeah. Um, versus Jack White, where it's Grungbin does. They just came through Bend. Where here, I there went to go, go see him. Yeah. Yeah, was, they were yeah. great. They're incredible. Uh, we we keep and that particular concept for Krungbin has become sort of an extension of their brand. We've now revisited it um, on a new album and built sort of a version two of it. Ah, um, see, you do repeat stuff. Yeah, I mean, this was a this was <laughs> technically a different concept, though. It was a playlist generator, but this one was um, pandemic related. It was called ah, nice. Shelter in Space, and we were generating playlists related to the things you were doing during the pandemic, like cooking or walking, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Yeah, I'll certainly revisit a mechanic, but if someone asked me to build a flight generator. Flight playlist here. I will turn it down. I have turned it down. Well, let's do another pen or so. The 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 first one in this collection is a is a little mini kind of a concentration game or card matching game for Florence and the machine. Um, What's the story there? Um, So I had built a a, an actual Florence project. This was not the Florence project, (laughs) but the Florence project had a lot of these card base UX. Um, problems um, and in the middle of it uh, you know I told the client it was like first of all I see all these cards and all I think about is the solitaire windscreen and all of these beautiful cards <laughs> falling yeah, yeah. which I also have a pen of but I was also like I'm also thinking about the Super Mario 3 memory game <laughs> and I was like none of this has anything to do with our project but I was like Probably after this, I'm going to have to go build that or it's going to eat away at me. (laughs) So I just built it. um, Depending on the fan base, like you do get really great fans, great fans who are really interested in this type of work. And the fans were like crazy about the actual project, which was a um, kind of a tarot card reader based on your Spotify listening history. So as a final thank you to that fan base, I made some time to build this on CodePen and sort of offered it to them as sort of a fun listening experience. Yeah, I see the windscreen version of it too. That's great. Yes, Uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, we haven't really, I haven't waxed poetically about you or your companies yet. And I want to make sure I fit it in there. So I'm going to say real quick, but basically like what you've done for modern web education in your previous work is unbelievable um, and very inspiring to me, someone who found comfort in writing and sharing. And as you said, not being a secret weapon out here in Louisiana. So all mm-hmm. of the CSS trick stuff, I certainly have to thank you for that. And CodePen, while some of these fun things do surface publicly on my CodePen account, I can't even express how much I actually use it in my development, <laughs> which has become very oh, right? component-based cool. on the UX side. So for every one public pin you see here, there's probably 50 private <laughs> pins of sure. experiments. Um, it's just easier for me to throw a pin open on a little UX experiment that I don't necessarily want to do in my actual project's code base, you know, uh, design for me is a side of my brain I try to stay away from as long as possible when I'm doing client work because it becomes 
overwhelming. It's, it's the siren, exactly. the call. Of exactly. Design. And when I'm promising something as complicated as the keyhole, yeah. close your eyes. Um, I want to make sure the mechanic that I proposed works 100% of the time in as many environments as possible. So when I start to sprinkle design on, it's only after the client has signed off on a fully functioning prototype of the thing I promised. Okay. And then I can start. So for me, CodePen, not having to bring that design language, the design energy into the actual project is invaluable, especially <laughs> once you add a view, which I'm very comfortable using. Mm-hmm. Um, it just became a great way for me to start prototyping kind of unique components, unique concepts. Yeah, this the, yeah, I see the you see you use that view editor. Good. Good. Yeah, we really wanted to that was kind of a a step in t- towards future code pen that we were that we were trying out. And I know it's been probably years since that one's been out, but the idea was like, oh, maybe we should make like a little code pen for all kinds of different technologies. And then the idea kind of changed and we think we can do better than that. So, you know, stay tuned, but it was it was still a good idea. I like that I like seeing people use it and that it, that it that it seeing some proof that it was uh you, you know, useful in, in, in some regard. Yeah, to me, if my actual project's code base is Vue, it makes sense for me to be experimenting in a similar type of language because yeah. I won't copy and paste my code pen component into my project, but it at least allows me to establish the methods and life cycle that the component will likely turn into. Yeah. So it's sure. it's a little bit easier than just building in pure JavaScript where mm-hmm. I know I'll have to change things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Vue's just great in terms of lifecycle methods, mounting and unmounting things to like spin up these types of um, technical components really quickly. Which is yeah, really nice. nice. Glowing endorsement for Vue. Works good for crazy music ideas. Um, I really appreciate your time, Lee. That was a pleasure to talk with you. I told you the time would fly by, and it certainly has. I'll put the link to the rest of these pens in your collection in the show notes, as well as all the links for the things that you do and the blog posts we talked about and things like that. So look forward to that. And I hope we get to talk or meet one of these days. That sure would be nice. Absolutely. I would love that. Yeah, cheers. Uh, All right, man. Until next time. Till our paths cross again. Sounds good.